be a leader, you had to learn, and you did learn, that there are three, three spiritual components to the job description. One is that you have, you protect your own anointing, and you require those that serve you to protect your anointing. Now, I don't have time to teach that, but that's key here. And as you go further, your anointing needs to be even more protected. Then to accomplish the vision that God gave you. But it's no longer your responsibility to make the vision happen. And all you're going to do is tell them about it. And they're going to make it happen. And it can't be, oh, we're behind you, Pastor, and we're behind the vision. No, you're, you're in the vision and you're making it happen. Leaders, you're leaders. You can't be the ultimate unless we get that mindset etched deep down into our ministry. That your, your job as the ultimate CEO is to get the direction from God. It's their job to make the vision happen and to run with it. And number three is to take the pulse. So when you put the right system in place with the right methods and process and procedures, then you're able to take the pulse of the ministry even more important now as you move to the ultimate, take the pulse of the ministry and know that we're achieving for God, we're accomplishing, uh, we're responding to his mandates, we're operating on high RPM, high response to his mandates, and that we're operating in righteousness, with excellence, and all the things that you have established in your core values. You take the pulse and you know that we're healthy and we're moving forward, but you're not involved in any more of this stuff. To the degree that we can get you out of it, the more ultimate you will be. Then there's the CEO job description, one through five. I'm not gonna review that because I'm gonna do that when we get to the tachometer here. And I'm gonna show you the difference in your job description now from what it was when you were maximum and what it, ha what it has to change. It's the same, but there's certain tweaking that we have to dude for you we'll get to that when we get to the next board then you know about you've established the proverbs process where god you as a leader and your team learn how to work in partnership and relationship and communicate together everything's god directed not any good ideas we don't have any dialogue that isn't inspired by the spirit of god and we build this is where we build this is where we establish what we build this is where we uh, have the pleasant, rich, pleasant riches, the fruit of our effort, our time, our energy, our resources. And, and this is all taught in the basic training or it's all on the product in the Maximum CEO collection. But this, this, you have now worked the process. You've learned the process. And you're working the process and you know that you're building now through that process. And we're building people through the process. Not just building the ministry, but building people through the process as well. And you are partnering, communicating, partnering, and in relationship, connected, leader and team. And we've taught, we, we don't have time to do that now, but that, having that process work, but the deep, it's a total involvement process. So the deeper that that process goes in your ministry, it can't just be one other team. It has to go down deep into your ministry. Everybody working the Proverbs process. And then we also, we learned how to apply the process to how we work with teams, how to facilitate a team meeting. What are the tools you need for a team meeting? We went through that in the basic training. And so I can't do that here.
but the, this is where we reinvent your ministry. And now, when you move into the ultimate and you give the ultimate direction, then the ultimatum is that they make it happen. And they're meeting here with their people, and they're taking issues in the ministry, like that's an issue, and they're discussing the problems, which is, what's the cause of this? What effect is this having on our ministry? Well, the effect is we, we're not keeping God's provision of money. We're squandering 85 to 90% of his provision because we don't keep the people. And then we don't have the leaders to sit around the table here and offer their wisdom and their counsel and their understanding. And so the facilitator of the meeting's job is to mine the rich deposits that are in them to reinvent the ministry every time we sit down to meet. This is about macro things. The macro over here, not the micro. And we turn those issues and problems into opportunities and every time we meet. And that's what you've learned to do. And I applaud you for that. You've worked hard to do that. You've worked hard to, to model it so that down line, deep into your ministry, but some of you, if you haven't gone very deep, it's gonna be hard for you to move further until you go deeper. We need deeper, we need depth of capacity. I'll probably say this a dozen times. You need depth of discipleship. Depth of discipleship. It's not just a word we throw around because we're Christians. It's, it's, it's critical that we understand the value of discipleship. And Jesus modeled that, I'll get to that in a minute. But the, the discipleship downline means we build confidence at the lower and lower and lower levels. We build capacity at the lower and lower and lower level, and I'll show you how to do that as well. So that's the basic training, and that got you here. And like I said earlier, some of you are ready to now move, some of you are not quite ready to move, and some of you are hearing about this for the first time. But we're all headed this direction, to be the facilitators of God's work. The system, applications, methods, process, procedures, tools, skill sets, techniques, now they're inextricably linked. It's not like a, a buffet like we'll have tonight. And you know, oh, I like that, I'll take one of those and two of these and we do, you know, I'll pick and choose here. What no, you have to work the whole thing. Every, it's all integrated, inextricably linked. You can't extricate something out of this and be successful. You miss one thing, you don't get it right. So that's why it's important that the system be strong, be powerful, and be complete. So don't, don't attempt to move if you haven't maximized the system. It's not maximized if you have, you know, eight out of ten things right. It has to, they all have to be right. They're all interrelated. They're all connected. Optimization is the process or the methodology of making something, and this is the something, the system, making something as fully perfect, functional, or effective as possible. So if we're gonna optimize success, then we have to optimize this system. It has, we have to make it all it can be, fully perfect, functional, effective. An ultimate means, again, means maintaining steady optimization, moving from leading to facilitating. And I'll get into that here in a minute. But freedom, freedom for what? Well, freedom so that you can do your personal mandates. 
freedom, uh, and, and well, let, actually, let's, uh, let's list some things here first. You know, when I left here a year ago and did the maximum, that's when God started telling me about the ultimate. And I've been working on this for a year, and we could stay for a week, and we wouldn't get it all in. But the ultimate visionary is what you now become. The ultimate visionary. That's what you were created to be. New entrances with God. New entrances with God. The ultimate visionary. The ultimate entrepreneur. You see things. When you get over here in ultimate, you see things that you've never seen before. Because you're still and quiet and peaceful in your spirit. And you can hear a still small voice. You're out of this chaos and nonsense. And even this is still a challenge. There's still a lot of chaos in here trying to get this thing deeper and etch it into people that don't want to move. They don't want to go there. They don't want to do any, don't take any more responsibility. Don't want to do the things that Brother Dave shared over there that he does for IBM. They don't want to do those things. So it's a challenge, yeah. But when you get over those humps and over those challenges, and then you're going to see your leaders are going to take over the things you've been doing all these years. <laughs> Hallelujah, yeah. Ultimate facilitator. The ultimate facilitator. And this may sound like, oh, this is getting prideful, and, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be like that. Yes, that's what God chose you to be. He picked you to be in this ultimate position. He needs you to be ultimately in relationship with him. He doesn't want you. You have to right now, but he doesn't want you immersed in all the chaos crisis and all of the day-to-day -day building and maintenance work. So as an entrepreneur, you're, here you're, you're working on new entrances. Here with, as an entrepreneur, new initiatives that you discover with God when you spend more time with him. And you're off the treadmill of the ministry, just running all the time. You're out there where you're peaceful and you can hear his voice. And you're a facilitator. And get out of the way. Getting out of the way. I'm going to read you something in a minute. Give others more opportunity. Give God more of you. Facilitate the vision and become a serial entrepreneur. A serial entrepreneur. Serious about being an entrepreneur. And you're going to hear about some of, <clears throat> some of those that are going to share in the panel this afternoon, <clears throat> pardon me, are going to be talking about the things that they're now embarking on because they maxed the system. They haven't arrived, but they've maxed it out. New relationships, new exposures, new viewpoints and perspectives are what you get as a visionary, an entrepreneur, a facilitator. That's your new job description, in essence, to be that. So that you can impact the mission field. You can go multi-sites. You can go, you can make, uh, you can get into media. You can get into educational thrusts. You can have an apostolic anointing, or use your apostolic anointing and uh, initiatives. You can write whatever, all of the above you could do. And God is counting on you doing those things. So, but it's not about just being free, but it's being abundantly free. 
abundantly free, not free for a few minutes here and there, but abundantly free. And I know for some of you this is hard to comprehend or believe, but get a vision and they'll, they'll tell you and meet with them tonight at the fellowship and talk to them. I let iron sharpen iron. But in order for you to be ultimate, your lead, it, well, here's what Paul wrote, you know this in Philippians, but he said, I, I um, put into practice what you learned, put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. And do, do that and God who makes everything work together will work you into his excellent, his most excellent harmonious plans. You see now, that's what you have to put in them. Everything you have learned now has to go deep down into your ministry. It's all about discipleship. You know, maybe you wanted five points. There is only one here, discipleship. So you are becoming, you're moving from being the maximum leader to becoming the ultimate leader. And we're going to look at the ultimate tachometer here in just a minute, but I, I, I want to make sure you, you get your grasp on this. The most important thing, I just said it, is discipleship. Jesus was the most ultimate leader. Because of why? Because he discipled. In three years, he built a succession plan. And it's still going on today, and we're perpetuating it. That's what we're here for to learn how to perpetuate it. So the scripture we read earlier, so that future generation, it's not about, the blessing is not about what we get today, but what we put in motion for all the tomorrows. That's our job. It's not about, let's just make it through, you know, hang with the crowd and, you know, tough it out till Jesus comes. This is about building something that will impact future generations. That needs to be our focus. That's what Carol and I are all about. We'll never reach everyone, but we can reach enough to get this momentum behind this thing so some others can take it and be blessed by it to bless because they're blessing others. And that's the same thing for you. That, that's the perspective I want you to have. So that's why you need to get ultimate. And the criteria for getting ultimate is what's going to sustain you. So Jesus built a succession plan in just three years. And it's still going strong. It's not as strong as it should be because we're not as strong as we should be. We're missing opportunities left and right in, in ministry, but we're gonna get it fixed. Jesus was the ultimate leader because he discipled. You won't be all long, you won't be ultimate long unless you have a strategic intent on discipleship. He was strategic about discipleship and I encourage you the most important thing I can say is you must have a strategic intent on discipleship. It's going to be relentless. I use these terms when I work with clients and they laugh at me or tease me. Um, and, but the word relentless, they have nicknames for me that are not really endearing. You know, they say you're relentless. There's a guy sitting here now who was the first partner and uh, he just said, you've changed my life and I want to sow into your ministry. I didn't even have partnerships at the time. And he was paying me as a client. But he sat there one time and he just, 
He said, you're relentless. I, I saw him just staring at me with a big grin, a silly grin on his face. And I said, you know, I tried to ignore it for as long as I could, and I kept plowing through, you know, and then he said, you're relentless. I said, what is that? And he said, you're just relentless. And uh, he said, I'm going home. I can't take any more of you. <laughs> so, so I, I, I hope that some of your people say that to you, because then you'll be doing your job right. You know, Pastor, you know, I love you. <laughs> I'll do anything for you, but, you know, that, I, I can't take any more right now. You know, let's work on some more tomorrow, okay? Uh, disciple me more tomorrow, a little bit more tomorrow. But I, I use these terms. Drive the action. Force the discipline. Ride herd. Make it happen. And, you know, so many ministries, the ministry, it's like your spur is caught in the stirrup of the saddle, and the horse is dragging you around the corral. The ministry horse is dragging you around the corral. You're supposed to ride the thing. You have to be relentlessly focused, focused on what God wants, more than you've ever been before. And, and I'll, I'll just tell you, we're going to get to some cautionary thing. Well, let me just tell you right now. This is not about getting out there in la-la land. Okay, and no, there's some real responsibilities here, but they're on a much higher macro level you're going to see here in just a minute. But this is a dangerous transition if you're not focused, if you're not paying attention, and if you don't get some of the things that I'm going to share with you. It's, it's ultimate. It's not utopia, but it's ultimate. And you do get the freedom, but there's a, we're making a shift here, and it can be dangerous. So the ultimate ultimatums would be twofold. One is you've got to protect this system and you've got to have it deep into the ministry. And one of the big things I see is that pastors get over, shift over here or keep moving to other levels. We're going to another level here. And, but they forget about the responsibilities or they forget, let's put it this way, they forget to hold other people now responsible to the for the things they were responsible for, like evaluation, like checking. I had a pastor tell me just recently, he said, you know, we used to be excellent with the system, and now we're average. I got, I got back in there, started scratching and sniffing, and we're average. We used to be excellent. That's what can happen. So I'm just, I'm cautioning you. Protect the system, ultimate ultimatums, protect the system, and deepen the discipleship. Everything Jesus did was with an eye for succession, to leave a, to leave a lasting legacy. When I talk about caution, let me just make, let me make a few points here, because I'm, I'm not trying to instill fear in you. I'm trying to instill common sense. I'm trying to help you understand that, you know, while it felt really nice before we were talking about the freedom and all that stuff, but there are responsibilities. And, you know, we just had the Super Bowl, and I don't know how many of you noticed, but the team that won last year, Pittsburgh, they didn't even make the playoffs this year. I don't want that to happen to your ministry. But they, they didn't even get in the, they didn't even challenge for the thing. They were eliminated a month ago, a month and a half ago, finished. 
They won last year. Virtually the same players, too. They weren't even in the playoffs this year. That's, I'm trying, that, does that help? You understand what I'm talking about? Well, you get a, you get a uh, prospectus from an investment company. You're thinking about investing in this uh, company or this stock or this fund or whatever it is. And what's the thing at the very bottom there on every single one of them? Yeah, exactly. Past performance is no indicator or guarantee of future success. Past performance. So you have to be focused. You have to, be, you have to evaluate. You can't walk away from that. We lose focus, they lose focus. We wander around in the wilderness of distraction, reaction, busyness, minutia. We never reach the promised land or the promises of God because we wander off of the straight and narrow. And we go, and that's where you learned and now you've become proficient in gap leadership. Finding the gaps and fixing the gaps, prioritizing the gaps to re first recognizing the gaps. Re this is a gap right here in your ministry. Huge gap, the biggest gap. But recognizing the gaps, prioritizing the gaps, and mobilizing the gaps. We apply, we get an issue, we apply common sense to it, and we turn it into an opportunity. Somebody comes up with a plan to change it. Not you. Your job is to get it from God. Their job is to fix it. But priority Relentless focus. That's why it becomes harder to be, as we get bigger, it becomes harder to become who we were meant to be. You were meant to be ultimate. But it gets harder to get there if you don't stay focused, if things start unraveling, and people aren't doing what you've taught them to do, what you've modeled to do, them to do. And be careful about new ventures. I just put this one in here, because I see this all the time. We all know that we don't do anything unless God directs it. God speaks to the leader. He'll speak to the team, too. And we're in right relationship with God. And then we, we're in the right relationship when we work with one another. But, with, but we can't be doing good ideas. You know, if you're going to be a visionary, an entrepreneur, and a facilitator, you're going to be, have to be certain that it's God. And I, I, I just know from business, let me, let me give you an illustration from a business perspective. When I was at the limited stores, you know, we, we sold rags in this, I mean, that's not what we called it, that's what we called it internally, but out externally they were precious garments. And, <laughs> and we, but we sold a ton of those things, and we wanted to sell a ton more. And so Cosmopolitan, I can't remember um, that Hurley Brown lady, the lady who owns that thing or runs it, she came. She said, we're going to make a deal with you. We're going we're gonna, to uh, pay for your dresses. We're going we're gonna to give you a huge discount. We'll pay for most of the dresses if you run ads in our magazine. I said, hey, great opportunity. You know, well, the dresses were terrible, and they weren't the quality. They were free, but, you know, they, it ruined our image. It took us a couple years to overcome that problem. It, there was an opportunity, looked good, smelled good, you know, it was going to be beneficial to the bottom line, but, and we did it, but it was wrong decision, wrong call. But you have the opportunity to go to the, the CEO 
and, but make sure that it's God and not some idea that seems right. As all, every, lean on your own understanding. Whoa, it'll give us income, it'll do this, it'll solve that problem, it'll do, yeah. But everything else goes to heck in a handbasket because it's not God and he can't bless it. So don't fall for that when you're, when you're ratcheting up your ability as a visionary and an entrepreneur and spending more time. Of course, the other, the other issue any of your leaders will remind you of on occasion is that you're going to be so pumped about all the new stuff and the new ideas and everything, and then you've forgotten that they're still working on all the other stuff. And so we need to be sensitive to that, too. I just throw that one in there. But the benefits of being the facilitator is the visionary created who you, and an entrepreneur created who, to be the, who you were created to be and who you were designed to be, your personal mandates. You ought to have a personal mission statement. You ought to have a personal strategic plan for you. And you ought to ride herd on that thing like you do the herd, riding herd on the strategic plan for the ministry. You need a strategic plan for you. Relationships, divine connections, creativity, exposures. You're, and another thing you're going to need more of is innovation because you're going to have, God's going to be speaking to you about the entrepreneurial visionary stuff and you're going to have to have people who can think it through, figure it out, come up with a plan, come up with, they, you can't have people saying, uh, we, we, that can't be done. Quality of life with God and family. How about some things like this? Exercise, so you can stay with us for a long time. Get out of the stress. God needs you to survive. Personal interests. Personal interests. Things that recharge your battery. That you, you put those things on the back burner because it's like it's not spiritual. <laughs> You need those things. That's how you become creative and innovative. Some of the greatest ideas that pastors have told me they've gotten is when they got off the treadmill and aired it out and God showed them stuff. Self-improvement, self being a lifelong learner. Not just learning these things, learning other things. Which how, That's how God can speak to you. And time to think. You know, Einstein... His work habits, he used to go in and get all the work done in the first hour so he could have the rest of the day to think, and that's where he came up with the theory of relativity. You know, I, I want you to have that kind of a proportion to your life, time to be with God, time to think, time to be those things. Get, let's get the basics covered. But you've got to have an infrastructure under you to make sure that happens. Truly the man or woman of God. Then. So where you used to wait tables, way back over here, you know, you were waiting tables here, you were doing everything. Then you got other people to wait the tables. And now we need other people to be free of waiting the tables so they can be the leader you were and you become the ultimate facilitator. Did, did you hear that? Amen. You want to hear it again? Yes. Over here you waited tables. Then you moved over here and you taught other people to wait tables. And then... You are moving over here. The people that are waiting tables today have to be leading and other people have to be waiting. That's why we need depth. That's why we need depth. And we'll, but what's the, what's the, what do the scriptures say the benefits of that are when you do that? When, for you and your 
Next level of leaders, at, at least initially, out the gate, the word of God prospered. The number of disciples increased dramatically, and many priests submitted themselves to the faith. So apply that to your ministry. You know, many, many more, the word of God prospered. Our effort for God, our response to God's mandate profited, profited uh, and prospered. The number of disciples increased dramatically. That's what you need. We need to increase the number of disciples dramatically, and that only happens when you push it down. And you know what? They don't, they don't push it down until you push it down on them, and then they have to push it down on others. They finally let go of the control that you used to have, and now they delegate to others. And you know that principle from the basic training. The word of God prospered, the number of disciples increased, and a great many priests submitted themselves to the faith. More leaders. You used to be the change agent. Most of the changes came from you. Now the changes need to keep, come from your leaders. We got more, and we have change agents all the way down into the ministry. The litmus test of a CEO is what? The litmus test of a CEO is results. Results. But now the litmus test of your organization is how many other people can get those results. Who's going to get the results? And you'll see that when we get to the tachometer. The word of God spread, ministry prospered, the number of disciples increased, and not least of all, great many submitted themselves to the faith. See, way back here, it was, you were working, you know, with a tool. The tool was a microscope. You were looking at all the toxicity in your ministry, all those little germs that were all over the place. You know, the chaos, the crisis, the leaven was just all infiltrated into your ministry and it was under the guise of dysfunction. You were working with a microscope. Now you're working with field glasses. You can see far like an eagle. Now I want to share something with you that, that uh, the eagle has keen eyesight and can see great distances with broad perspective, a visionary. Experience, experiences, the eagle experiences total freedom when he catches the wind. So you're at a place where you can catch the wind, you can catch the spirit of God, and you can see new things and get new entrances, and is borne aloft on the wings of the wind, the spirit of God, which is the natu your natural habitat, it's where you're supposed to be. He created you to be there is set apart, builds his ire at the highest possible point, the highest possible point. I, this is drawn on a horizontal, but I mean, it's actually, we're moving up another, another big level here. Another big, you're getting up to the, here we had to get you into the macro and stop fooling around in all the micro with the microscope. Now move to the macro. So a higher level is where the eagle flies is set apart, builds his ire at the highest possible point so that he can main, maintain a perspective, claims and protects his own territory. So we have to protect the system. The entrepreneur, I want to read you some things here, um, and then we're going to diagram 
the, the next, the, the ultimate tachometer. But I'm still priming the pump here, okay? I don't want you to go to the solution until you understand the problem and, and get, it, get a commitment in, within yourself to make a change. The entrepreneur is the driving force, the mover, the hero who sees opportunity, who grasps the importance of a concept, knows when to assume risk, and in the end, accumulates the ultimate success. Okay, just get this in your spirit. And we'll have a product down the road and you can, you can review it many times. Uh, in our case, uh, success in meeting more ultimately the needs of God's people. That's the criteria for success. It's not how big an edifice we can build. It's not any of those things. It's how effectively that success is, is how effectively we can meet the needs of God's people, the ones he sends to us. An ultimate CEO, you need greater innovation to plan it and to build it. I covered that. You, but you have to relentlessly drive innovation because you're going to have all these ideas, but you're going to have to have people that are have the capability to innovate, capability to create plans and ideas and, 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 put, and put them in place. But you also have to have people that are freed up enough from the morass of all of the stuff that has to happen in the ministry to be able to create. And I may mention down here, you know, the concept of innovation clusters. Uh, may not always be the same team, but the formulation of creatives that people or people that uh, that uh, can you know are creative are innovators have the have really have the character of God being enlargers and builders and creators and and uh, um, all those things so that you're going to need that but they need to be free to do enough of this so that's why the depth has to go deeper so it becomes your field of dreams. The question is, are you trying to build a ministry or are you building people so that you can build a ministry? Because just like the system is more important than your vision, people, that's why I said there's two things that you have to, the ultimatum about, the syst protecting the system and discipling. So by building people, only then will you build a ministry. Oh, you may go along for a ways, but you run out of comp There isn't a ministry in the world that has too many leaders. The number one challenge for businesses today, like IBM and like GE, we mentioned, and any other corporation, the number one challenge today is finding great people. Finding great people. Finding innovative people, finding people who can lead, finding people who have emotional intelligence in addition to IQ, they have EQ. Now the number one challenge in ministry today is keeping the people God sends and developing them to become more valuable to him. That is our job, that's our assignment. And if we're not doing that, we're not gonna go very far. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Developing people, keeping the ones God sends, and you know, you guys are, you're not gonna move to the ultimate if you're still keeping only 10 to 15%, because you don't have the provision to do the things that God's gonna wanna do when 
you free up to yourself to see them. So this isn't just a theory, you know, that wouldn't it be nice? No, if you, you've got to work on that number, and I see ministries, I, I, you know, I'm just challenging you. Where are you? Have you improved that? Or, yeah, we improved. We got it up to uh, 20 to 25. And then the next time we looked, it was back there, or worse. The scarcest resource in the world today is leadership talent that exceeds standards to continually transform your ministry to succeed by training and developing future generations of leaders. We must create a learning culture. You want to have an honesty culture, you want to have an accountability culture, you want to have a commitment culture, a lot of cultures. But it all starts with a learning culture because they're not going to learn any of the other cultures until you have a learning culture, until you are discipling them to be accountable, till you disciple them to be committed, till you disciple them to take risks and go further for God. I know I'm pounding this. The best way to keep any ministry on course for success is to give the talent serving God all the responsibility they can handle and then stand back. This is not natural for most of us. Trust is a human marvel. It's the growth hormone that turns lethargic ministries into dynamic, highly torqued, optimum ministries. So you have to relinquish your leading to others, which in turn requires your direct reports to link, relinquish more to others. And you'll see that when we, once again, when we do. Let me read you this. And I can't, uh, I, I can't do all of these, but let me, I'm picking and choosing here. Um, remember that story I tell most of the time? I did it here a year ago, but many times in the basic training, the story about there go my people and I'm their leader and uh, how, how he cultivated such commitment in them, not compliance, but commitment in them, and they were trained, they were well-disciplined, disciplined, discipled, and there they go. And, they, they, and he said, there go my leaders, and, I'm their, I, and I, there go my followers, and I'm their leader, and I need to catch up with my team. That's what, you, that's what we're trying to do here. That's what you have to have here if you're going to be ultimate. It's not just... We laughed about it, and, and it was fun when we talked about it in the basic training. Now it's time to do it. So let me read this. And remember, everything Jesus did was with an eye to succession. Part of leadership is knowing when to follow. Part of leadership, part of your job is to know when to follow. You have to know when to get out of the way. Get out of the way. Let other people run with it. What a great insight. Leading is not always about being in front. Sometimes a leader must allow others whom he or she has empowered to take the reins. Empowering others to take the reins. And this may be as challenging as it was for you 
way back there with the tachometer or, or step one where you had to delegate to others and they came up, no, step two in your job description, they came up with the plans, ideas, and recommendations. That was scary to you. And I'm going to turn this over to these. No, that was a challenge. No, you got an, you're facing another challenge here on a higher level. Must allow others whom he or she has empowered to take the reins. Great leaders sometimes put themselves out of a job by raising up other leaders who are competent and ready to provide direction. I want to read it again. And we'll put it in one of the coachings or something. Part of leadership is knowing when to follow. You have to know when to get out of the way. What a great insight. Leading is not always about being in front. Sometimes a leader must allow others whom he or she has empowered to take the reins. Great leaders sometimes put themselves out of a job by raising up other leaders who are competent and ready to provide direction. We need others to solve the problems that growing organizations face. Others. Others now have to solve the problems. Growing organizations. They're going to have to think like you. They're going to have your DNA. They're going to know they're going to have your heart because you discipled them so well, just like Jesus did with his. So they had his heart. They had his DNA. And they fought the tough battles. He trained them for three years. <laughs> 